Welcome to the second hour of the show. This is Mark Levine. Walmart did an extraordinary thing this week. They actually raised their workers' wages. MSNBC explains what happened. Today, Walmart announced it would be giving raises to half a million employees. The company plans to start paying all of its workers at least $9 an hour by April, with a plan to push that to $10 per hour next year. As Walmart president and CEO Doug McMillan explained, the move enables the country's largest employer to better retain talent. We've got about 75% of our store management in the United States that comes from our hourly ranks. So today's cashier is tomorrow's store manager. Tomorrow's store manager may have my job. So we want to make sure that that opportunity is there for people as it has been for, for so many of us in the past. Upon hearing Walmart's decision to pay its workers an hourly wage nearly $2 more than the federal minimum wage, which currently sits at $7.25 an hour and hasn't been raised in over five years, the White House hailed the announcement and used it to put pressure on Congress, tweeting, quote, good to see Walmart raising wages for about 500,000 employees. Now it's time for Congress to hashtag raise the wage. Today's news, of course, also comes after years of political pressure from a national movement of low-wage workers and groups supporting them, from Black Friday protests and nationwide strikes to actions outside stores to workers exercising their right to unionize and often facing tremendous recrimination. There's been a sustained push to get retail employees a living wage. One of the groups that's been fighting that fight, a group called Our Walmart, put out a statement today claiming victory but also pointing out there's still more to do. Quote, we are so proud that by standing together, we won raises for 500,000 Walmart workers, adding that, quote, this announcement still falls short of what American workers need to support our families. For years, the Walmart name has been synonymous with both low prices and low wages. The question now is, could we imagine a future in which that changes? Joining me now is today, Gebra Selassie from the National Employment Law Project. It's great to have you here. Great to be here. Thanks. So this uh, this is good news. I mean, yeah. this is big. That's big a lot news. of. That is a very big significant news. raise for the people that are getting that raise. That's right. I mean, look, it's a it's a significant raise both because so many workers are going to benefit, 500,000 workers, and because Walmart, as the largest private employer in this country, employing 1.3 million workers really through its actions, you know, sets the wage floor for this very low-wage sector that's growing. This is a really important point, right? Because because pe other places, other retail that are essentially competitors of Walmart or, or competitors for hiring those people, yeah. right? They, we could imagine there's going to be some spillover wage effect for folks not even working at Walmart. That's right. And, and in fact, Walmart is responding to what retailers before it have, have done. I mean, one of the reasons why Walmart, I think, is raising its wages now is because it is facing competitive pressure from, you know, other retailers like Gap and Ikea that raised their minimum wages last year, Costco that, you know, pays a $12 an hour starting wage and nearly $20 an hour average wage. And so Walmart is responding to this, realizing that it can't retain a workforce when it has to compete with companies that pay well and also provide, you know, good schedules, so, which is another issue that we're Right. So let's talk about that in a second. But yeah. first, the big question to me also here is, are we seeing the fruits of sustained political activism, organizing, and pressure? Or we're finally seeing some tightness in the labor market, particularly at the bottom of the wage scale, which is what raises wages right. in a kind of econ 101 sense. We're seeing both of those things. We're seeing tightness in the labor market and competitive pressure, meaning that Walmart is responding to it. We're seeing the fruits of very intense organizing activity over the last couple of years and Walmart you know, workers going out on strike and raising awareness to, to things like Walmart doing a food drive for its workers because its workers were right. relying on public assistance to make ends meet. You know, All of that feeds the consciousness. And then the third thing is we are seeing a radically shifting political and economic 
economic landscape where 29 states have raised the minimum wage above $7.25 an hour, where cities like Seattle and San Francisco have instituted $15 an hour minimum wages. And in this environment, I mean, Walmart's $10 announcement almost seems antiquated at this point, right? And so that's why I think the workers are saying, look, this is a great first step. And it's welcome, but there's so much more to do that we're not going to stop. And there's also an interesting backstory here in terms of how Walmart has reacted in the past to external efforts to mandate higher wages. Total insurance. Yet completely yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. obstinate and refused. Yep. In yeah. D.C., um, you know, there's a D.C. ordinance that yeah. was going to require a, a certain floor on yeah. the wages at that Walmart yeah. store. They basically lobbied very hard. They spent a lot of very. money. They got the mayor to veto it. Correct. Something similar happened, went down in Chicago. And they were basically like, we will walk. Yes. So what's fascinating to me is like, Will way rate, it, it, it's as much about power as it is about mm -hmm. money, about who gets to say when the wages get raised. Exactly, exactly. And when you have, when you have, you know, the momentum that's happened over the last couple of years, the fact that these workers, you know, both Walmart and fast food workers have put $15 an hour into the national conversation about what our economy needs to recover, that is immense political power that Walmart, you know, today I think showed that it was responding to. Um, do you think we're going to see anything like this in the fast food sphere, which has been the site of so much sustained organizing? I think, I mean, look, I think that, you know, the fast food movement started two years ago and has already achieved immense gains, both in terms of raising workers' wages, being the force behind many of these minimum wage laws that went into effect, and, you know, starting to bring the corporate parent to actually listen and be at the table. So who knows? I mean, I think it's two years is a very short amount of time, but I think today's uh, announcement bodes well. Yeah, and hopefully tight labor markets yeah. continue today, yeah. Governor Selassie. Thank you very much. Thank you. So for years, we've been talking about Walmart. For years, we've been complaining about their wages. They finally did something. What do you think caused them to finally increase their wages? What do you think about it? And should we have a higher minimum wage na nationwide? I say so. This is Mark Levine, but I want to hear from you. 888-653-7543. Call me. We'll be right back right after this. Welcome back to the show. This is Mark Levine. So should we pay our workers more? It's really a pretty simple question. Republicans will tell you, hands off the free market. Let the free market work its will. If people are willing to work for a dollar a day, let them work for a dollar a day. All that does is it, it makes rich people very rich. And if poor people are poor, well, it's their own damn fault. They're not working hard enough at a dollar a day to pay their rent. And if that makes logical sense to you, you might just be a conservative. Look, we have had in this country productivity increases every year. Every year, workers get better. Every year, they perform their jobs better. 3%, 4%, 5%. Every year, the same worker makes more, does more. We work harder. We work longer. We work better year after year after year. It's been that way for at least a century. However, for much of that century, until around the time George W. Bush became president, when productivity went up, which was every year, wages went up, which was every year. In fact, we haven't had wage depression since, well, the Great Depression. But in the last, oh, 15 years or so, what's happened is that the uh, productivity continues to go up, but wages don't. And there's a clear reason for that. Today, with globalization, it's a lot easier to get someone to work for a dollar a day. Back in the 60s, back in the 70s, you couldn't hire workers in Vietnam or Bangladesh or, heck, even Mexico. You might get a few from Mexico. But these very, very inexpensive workers 
you couldn't get them. You had to travel to Vietnam, and then you had to, the transportation costs were huge. But with technology, with advances, it's actually very cheap today. There's a reason why 20 years ago when you called your 800 number, you got a real live American person. And today you get a computer. And if you get through the computer, which, by the way, the trick is just keep pressing zero. That's what I do. I keep pressing zero or say agent, agent, agent. I'm giving away my secret. You're going to tie up my phone lines. But then you get a real life person in India to handle your call. Not that there's anything wrong with Indians. It's just that um, as you explain what you're doing in your typical American English, they may have trouble understanding you. You may have trouble understanding them. And Lord knows, most of the time they're following a script and can't actually think outside the box to solve your interesting and difficult question anyway. If you're wondering why all that is, it's really quite simple. It's cheaper now to hire people abroad because corporations don't have to pay the minimum wage. And furthermore, when they make money abroad, American corporations no longer have to pay American taxes. But wait, you say, I thought the law was that American corporations had to pay taxes no matter where they did business. That's true. That's the law. But apparently until they bring the money home, they don't have to pay taxes on it. And so they keep the money abroad. Now, you could make a law that says, hey, you're going to pay taxes no matter where you keep the money. I support such a law. The Republicans have a different idea. They want to take the three quarters of American corporations that pay zero taxes and increase that number because they think the tax burden on corporations is too high. They think the the tax on billionaires is too high. But they rest assured, not all taxes are too high. Middle income, poor people, Republicans think you should pay more. So it's really very simple. Uh, The best way, I think, to explain the minimum wage is to look at, oh, I don't know, Tiny Tim and uh, Ebenezer Scrooge. You remember Ebenezer Scrooge? He was the one counting all his gold pieces that rise to the ceiling and a tiny Tim was an eight-year-old boy. He was handicapped. Um, and if you're a liberal, you think, well, the boy should be able to get medical care so that he can walk without crutches and be a productive citizen and uh, make some of his own gold and pay it back to the state and uh, make everyone live better. If you're a conservative, though, you understand A Christmas Carol in perhaps a different way. It's tiny Tim's fault that he's poor. He's eight years old. He's poor. He should work for a living. Yes, he's on crutches. And yes, an operation could cure him. But really, he needs to work while on crutches. And if he wants enough money made a day to eat, that's too much to ask for. He should work for whatever the employer wants to give him. If the employer gives him 50 cents a day and he can't eat on 50 cents a day, well, he's just going to have to starve or work harder, I guess. But there's one real problem with the conservative philosophy that poor people are less than human and deserve less than food and shelter and health care than those middle-class people who are most of us. The problem with the conservative philosophy is that if the poor person commits a crime, if Tiny Tim rises up and in the middle of the night knifes Ebenezer Scrooge in the back, he goes to jail. And what does he get in jail? Food, shelter, health care probably even in education. Conservatives need to understand, oh, by the way, that's required in the Constitution because you can't have cruel and unusual punishment under the Eighth Amendment, and it would be cruel and unusual to put someone in prison and let them starve to death 
or freeze in the elements or not get adequate health care to take care of a easily treatable condition. So conservatives need to understand that as much as they make it cheaper and easier and more logical for poor people to commit crimes than to actually earn a living, then that's what some poor people will logically do. Even heroes like Jean Valjean and Les Miserables stole bread to feed his family. That's the crime for which he served many, many years in French prison and even more for trying to escape. Here's my question for you out there, and and we're going to have a guest that's coming on in the second part to talk about the Walmart decision. But do conservatives really believe that poor people are less than human? That all poor people are lazy? That an eight-year-old poor child should suffer because they're poor? Because the other thing is that many of these conservatives claim they are Christian. They claim to believe in God. They claim to believe in the ethics taught in the Old and New Testaments, that you look out for the poor, that you give charity to the poor, that it's easier for a rich for a camel to go through an eye of a needle than a rich man to enter heaven, Jesus said. With all this discussion of, is President Obama really Christian, I ask yourself, I ask you, if you believe that poor people should not be cared for, that no one should be able to make a decent wage for working 40 hours a week, enough to live on. Are you truly Christian? This sounds like a huge insult, but Christian has a meaning. There are certain basic tenets in the Bible, and one of them is to look out for the least of us. The meek shall inherit the earth. It's part of Jewish law. It's part of Christian law. And even though Jesus said nothing about homosexuality and nothing about abortion in the New Testament, he talked over and over and over again about caring for the poor. So if someone's starving in the street and you don't support policies to help that person not starve, are you a Christian? Is that an offensive question? Call in and let me know. 888-653-7543. When we come back, I've got a guest to talk about the uh, Walmart decision. You've got to remember that hosts like me, like Leslie, like many other liberal talk show hosts, have been talking about Walmart for a long time. I said quite clearly that I would never shop at Walmart. I don't know. Should I shop there now? What do you think? They still don't give their workers enough health care. Mark, but- I actually stopped shopping there um, during the 2008 election when I read – about managers telling workers not to vote for President Obama because he'd be more likely to unionize them and all this other crap. Well, there you and go. I used to shop there all the time, yeah. like for everything. I haven't shopped there in at least 10 years since wow, I know how they mistreated years. their workers. Yeah. And I don't know if I should change my mind because they still do some other things. But I, 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 like I said, I will give them a little bit of credit. I'll give them a little bit of credit. I won't give them three cheers. I'll give them half a cheer. Because you you gotta you gotta. I think get, that's, they have a lot a lot of work to do, but this is the first step. This is I've the seen first step at all. That's right. Because so, as the piece we played said, they've been obstinate every single time this issue has come up. They fought it, you know, tooth and nail. They fought it politically. They fought yeah. it legally. They fought it every which way they could. Here's the interesting thing: the reason why I think Walmart caved, and, and we'll find out. What my guest says, his name's Gary Bertless, the uh, chair of economic studies at the Brookings Institution. We'll see what he says. I think that it was a mixture of 
you and me, Mark, boycotting Walmart and activists talking about it and the various strikes and rallies and just a function of the economy getting stronger. The President Obama I think you're right. making the economy stronger and now they need to, to pay workers more. And the irony is by the time the Republicans agree to raise the minimum wage, it will, they'll yeah, no longer need exactly. it. It won't have an effect. Wages will already have increased. The time to raise the minimum wage is before it becomes unnecessary. At least that's what I think. I'll be curious to know what you think. This is Mark Levine. Give me a call. Let me know. 888-653-7543. When we come back, an economist from the Brookings Institution is going to lay it all out for us. And if you don't support the minimum wage, I want to hear from you, too. Again, call Mark Levine, 888-653-7543, or tweet at me at Mark Levine Talk. Welcome back to the Inside Scoop. I'm your host, Mark Levine. Walmart did the unthinkable last week. They actually raised workers' wages. Now, Walmart has been the champion of low wages, the champion of no health care for workers, the company that goes to lobby and says, you know what, if you make us pay our workers $10 an hour, we're not even going to locate in Washington, D.C. But lo and behold, Wall Street is now, at least as of April 2016, going to pay all its employees $10 an hour. What happened? Well, Gary Bertless is the Whitehead Chair in Economic Studies at the Brookings Institute in Washington, D.C. He will let us know. I also encourage you to call in and comment on any of this at 888-653-7543. Jay in Massachusetts, you hung up, but call on back. We'll give you a chance to appear on the broadcast. Gary Bertless, welcome to the show. Thank you. So Walmart caved. It's shocking, is it? I don't think it's very shocking. Um, the uh, quit rate, the percentage of people in retailing who've been quitting their jobs every month has been uh, rising pretty uh, strongly. Uh, by the end of last year, it was uh, 3% of the retail payroll was voluntarily leaving their jobs every month, and that was up uh, 20% or so, one-fifth from one year earlier, and uh, up 50% from the quit rate uh, at the end of the uh, last recession. So as so, the unemployment gets rate goes down, as the economy gets stronger, as people see more opportunities, they say, take that low-paying Walmart job and shove it. That's exactly right. And uh, it then pays Walmart uh, to uh, try to reduce that quit rate, uh, try to lower the turnover rate, because every time someone walks out the door, whatever experience and training the person has also walks out the door, and it costs $1,000, $2,000. The estimate in retailing is it costs over $3,000 per employee to uh, hire and train the replacement worker. So it costs something when people are walking out the door as fast as they were by the end of last year. But this this is the economy talking, right? I mean, we've been talking, at least I've been talking, and uh, many, many liberals and progressives have been talking about Walmart mistreating its workers for years now. This isn't a new story. They don't provide uh, health care. They don't provide uh, sufficient uh, wages for their part-time workers. Uh, do you think that any of this social pressure has, in fact, that I and others boycott Walmart has played a role, or should we just uh, recognize that we had no effect and it was just the economy that did it? I think it's mainly the economy, really. I mean, uh, certainly there were two or three days of good publicity for Walmart when they raised uh, the wage, although 
even their own numbers actually don't suggest that the pay is going up very much. So the full-time workers' wage, they think, will be increased by 15 cents an hour, which is uh, 1.2%. Yeah, it's pretty small. Uh, it's, it's pretty small for the full-time workforce. It has a bigger effect on the part-timers. They're, they're going to see a bump up in their pay of about 52 cents an hour, which is not anything to sneeze at if you're only paid, uh, you know, seven fifty seven. dollars uh, 90 an hour. Except that in more than half the states, already they have a higher minimum wage than the federal government, right? Eight, more than $8. Exactly. Uh, the, uh, that's right. A little bit more than half the people in the United States who are employees are working in states that have a minimum wage of at least $8 an hour. And actually, uh, over a fifth of Americans live in states where the minimum wage is actually $9 an hour or higher. So in those states, I don't think the Walmart uh, pay increase is going to have any effect at all uh, because the local law already demands that they pay at least the wage that uh, Walmart was promising to pay starting next month. So let me ask you this. I live in the suburbs, actually, of Washington, D.C., but in Washington, D.C., the council passed a law requiring a minimum wage. I think it was of $10 an hour. You probably know better than I do. I may be off, but I think it was 10 bucks an hour. Walmart fought it tooth and nail. They said, we will not build any stores in the District of Columbia if you force us to pay our workers $10 an hour. They did a huge lobbying campaign. They actually persuaded the mayor to veto it. It was a big scandal in D.C., uh, and then they came in to D.C. and, and, and pay less than, than $10 an hour. Uh, now they're going to pay it Anyway, after all that big fighting, uh, Actually, what was, I was the fight the about? That the District of Columbia and Maryland jointly uh, raised the, the minimum wage, uh, and so that reduced uh, the argument that Walmart could make, even if they located across the uh, line, the District of Columbia line in Maryland, they still would have to pay a higher minimum wage because I think Maryland raised its minimum wage too. So yeah, there are higher. a lot of states that have been raising their minimum wage. I'm not sure whether Maryland's or the district's is $9 an hour or more, but nonetheless, I I think eventually Maryland and the district did raise their minimum wage. Yeah, I wage. think it's up to nine fifty. So at the end of the day, as an economist, how does the minimum wage affect the economy? Because there are conservatives that say, well, if you pay a minimum wage and it goes up, less young people will find a job. It actually increases the unemployment rate. I'm sure you've heard that argument. You hear that argument all the time. But most uh, people's instincts are right. Uh, if the minimum wage goes up, one thing that a lot of small business people forget is all their competitors have to pay the higher wage, too. So they're not actually being placed at a disadvantage compared with their competitors across time, across town or over, over the county line. They, everybody has to pay that higher minimum wage. And so the, the bottom line is consumers may spend a little bit less in those stores and businesses where the minimum wage really represented the wage being paid to an awful lot of the employees and consequently the business owner's uh, labor costs went up a great deal. But that's not really true for most businesses in the United States. Very few of their workers are paid 
the minimum wage, except at places like Walmart, where, in fact, there are a lot of people paid a wage that's not much higher than the legal minimum wage. I should also note that when you raise the national minimum wage, you prevent one state from you know stealing from another state. You, exactly. you prevent uh, a low, uh, Texas, from uh, a low-wage state, from grabbing people across the border from a state that provides more for its workers. But I, I guess my question for you is how unique is Walmart? And we just did a show about a couple of weeks ago on Staples, which re- basically was forcing uh, a large number of its workers to work part-time so it didn't have to provide them health care on the Affordable Care Act, and now I can't shop at Staples anymore either. And I, I'm proud of that. I, I'm, I'm not going to stop at Staples. Just, but but is, is Walmart simply the face of the problem, or is it uniquely awful? Well, there's a range of retailers out there. I mean, some retailers do off pay their employees pretty good wages. There are unionized supermarket chains, for example. They're facing a tough competitive situation when Costco, I know, pays their workers like well. Walmart move in, but they do provide their workers decent wages, $15 an hour, uh, a lot of overtime on, on holidays, and very good uh, health and other benefits. So... And they and they make a go of it. Costco is fairly famous for having a very different model in how it compensates its employees. How do they make a profit then? I mean, Costco, uh, which They're is where I efficient. shop. They're very efficient. They're very efficient, and they sell, of course, vast amounts of uh, stuff to their customers. Their sure. customers have very overloaded shopping carts True. when they leave because uh, the the efficiency of of uh, Costco, as also Walmart, is famously ferociously competitive and efficient too. Uh, but uh, Costco is the second largest retailer in the country, and it has a different model of paying its employees. I would bet a sizable sum of money that has a lot lower turnover rate than Walmart does. I'm sure it does because it treats it, 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 it treats its employees better. And like I said, I haven't been in a Walmart in, in uh, 10 years, but I could tell you this, when I'm in Costco and I need some help, those workers know exactly where I should go. I don't know if that's true at Walmart because, like I said, I refuse to step in one. Let's get to some of our callers here. In Connecticut on Line 5, we've got Randall. Hey, Randall, how are you? I'm all right. How are you? You support a higher minimum wage, Randall? I yes, I do. I I think Walmart's been getting away too long with underpaying their employees, not paying overtime, and not paying for uh, insurance for employees. I have a son that used to work there, so I, I know how they operate. So tell me about and your son. Did he uh, did he have health care from Walmart? Oh, friend, he you said. Did, I think he said son. He did after a while, but it cost him. He had to pay I for it. Sixty dollars a week. He was paying for it out so, of his check, and then before he got his check, and then he got his check. There probably and wasn't just, much left in his check. No, and I, I just feel that uh, the employees provide, provide better uh, benefits for their the unions, provide better benefits for employees that are under the union than Walmart is providing for theirs. That's why they can't keep employees that's why everybody doesn't know where anything is because everybody seems to be new all the time. Yeah, well, that makes sense. Did your friend eventually leave Walmart? Uh, yeah, he's in the service now, yeah. Yeah, well, that I mean, I'm glad he's serving and, and, and I appreciate his service. But, I, again, you treat your employees better, they stay. You don't treat That's them right. well, they leave. Anything else, Randall? 
know that. That's all I have. All right. I appreciate your call. Let's go to Dave in Humboldt County. Dave is a longtime listener of the Inside Scoop, one of my longest-time callers. How are you, Dave? And uh, I certainly agree with you and the first caller there. I think we should have as little to do with Walmart as we can. And my logic is that they do all that they can to put out a business, the little businesses, small businesses in the area. And uh, the Walton family, each member of the board there, they earn eight, nine, seventy-seven billion billion a year. And their logic is that we can't afford to pay minimum wage. We can't afford to pay health care. We can't afford to pay for unemployment insurance and such. So I say have nothing to do with them. I guess some people have to. Their prices may be less, but that's just to get people, get the other stores out of business so they can then raise and charge more. They're greedy. Go, go to a farmer's market. You know, the farmers there don't charge very much, and the, the fruits and vegetables are better. <laughs> and you know, they, there's no middleman there. So I, I suggest that. Thank you, Dave, for, for, for adding that. So, so Gary, uh, Dave's point is, is a good one. I mean, it's not even like Walmart is some publicly held company. I mean, I guess it is uh, now. Uh, uh, you can buy Walmart shares if you want to. I guess you can. But my point is, is how much do the Waltons still own? Well, the, uh, if I remember the wealth statistics for the United States, I think that the five or six biggest shareholders in uh, Wal- uh, Walmart are uh, – you know, have a fortune that's several times larger than that of the most famous, uh, very wealthy people, uh, Warren Buffett and uh, Bill Gates. The six Waltons together are richer uh, because there was was one Walton. Uh, was it Bill Walton? I forgot his name. Uh, but the main guy, and then uh, he's, he he died, split among his family. But the point is that Dave's making is here are these some of the wealthiest people in the world, and they're not willing. You know, they they, they fight tooth and nail over giving a few cents to to some of their employees. Well, it's been their uh, modus operandi as long as the company's been in existence. One thing that the caller didn't mention, which is a real problem for a lot of employees at Walmart and other retailers like Walmart, is that the jobs are not offering an awful lot of hours per week. So even though people devoutly wish, even at the low, low wages they get, uh, to work 40 hours a week. Instead, they, they may be assigned 18 hours a week some weeks, 28 hours another week, and they don't know in advance what their work hours are going to be. So for a lot of uh, employees in these retailing concerns, uh, life is tough not only because the hourly pay is so bad and the cost of the health benefits is so high, but also because they just don't know what kind of hours or total weekly earnings they're going to end up with. Gary, how much of this is a function of them trying to avoid having to pay health care under the Affordable Care Act, or was this going on long before 2010, 2011? Well, remember, the recession really meant that there a lot of companies faced uh, two options because you know the demand for what they sell went way down. Either they could fire a lot of workers or they could ask a lot of their workers to take short hours. Uh, as uh, and, and that is indeed what a lot of companies did. Work the work week fell. Lots and lots of people were put on 
involuntary short hours. They wanted more hours of work than they had. And in fact, that's been one of the weaknesses of this recovery. We still have a lot of people in the United States who would like to work longer hours than their employers give them. And the other uh, thing that you mentioned I think is quite interesting is that they don't have a choice. In other words, if I want, if, if, if Walmart will only give me 18 hours and uh, another company, Staples, I just picked because it's another low-wage, uh, and they'll give me 18 hours. If I could coordinate them, I could work both jobs and have practically, you know, 20, 20, I have a, a 40 hours a week. But you were telling me they won't even tell their workers, they won't even let them work regular, like 9 to 12, 5 right. days a Right, a lot of employees don't know until Monday of the week or maybe Saturday of the week before what their schedule is going to be the following now, week. Now, so wouldn't the company do better? I know the workers would do better. But wouldn't the company do better just to give some kind of regularity to its employees? Nine to one, Monday. Okay, we're not going to let you work 40 hours, but you work nine to one, Monday to Friday. Or I don't care, you work only on Tuesdays and Wednesdays, whatever it is. Wouldn't the regularity help the company as well as the workers? Well, uh, let's be clear. It would help the companies now that we have tighter job markets. But four or five uh, years ago, people were so desperate to find work, the number of job seekers per job opening in the United States was over six and a half to one at the Mm. worst point of the uh, recession and early recovery. So... uh, Beggars couldn't be choosers. What they wanted, and if if they could uh, get away with offering people eighteen hours a week, and those people would keep the jobs, well, uh, so much better for the employer, I guess. I hear you. We got to take a break. If you want to call in and join this discussion, agree or disagree, I'd like to hear from you. Eight 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 six five three seven five four three. What are we to make of the fact that Walmart, the greatest opponent of fair wages in the United States of America, is actually paying their workers? A little bit more now. This is Mark Levine. We'll be right back right after this. Welcome back to the show. This is Mark Levine. Money. That's what uh, the Walton family wants to get, even on the back of its workers. Very much like Ebenezer Scrooge in the old days. But Walmart caved this week. Probably not because of its activists. Though I like to think we played a part. But probably because the economy is so much better. And wage inflation is actually... Starting. Now, we talked about the fact, uh, before you came on the air, uh, my guest, by the way, is Professor, Professor, Professor Gary Bertless, the uh, Whitehead Chair of Economic Studies at the Brookings Institution in Washington, D.C. Uh, Professor Bertless, uh, we, we, we talked before uh, I came on the air about the fact that uh, productivity increases year after year after year, but wages did not increase with it for about the last decade and a half. Do you think we're going to go back to a model where finally, as productivity increases, wages increase, or is this a, a relatively temporary phenomenon, in your view? Well, the the phenomenon that we've seen for the last 15 years is that the share of what businesses in the United States produce that is received by workers as compensation payments has been going down, and the share that has been received by business owners has been going up. And so that means that uh, there's less less of corporate uh, budgets that are being spent to pay wages and uh, fringe benefits to the workers. And, and so and that's, more, that's assume, a, a major explanation for the, in the last 15 years for this divergence between workers' average productivity and workers' average wages. 
and more benefits presumably to CEOs and board members and execs and shareholders. That's where all the money's going. Well, uh, that's that's the second. The second that, that that that's right. If you're thinking about the division between the people who own the business and the people who work for the business, but as but part of the uh, a number of the events you mentioned have to do with how we split up the share that's going to the workers. Remember, the CEO is a worker too. So is hmm. the chief financial officer. Good. Corporation. And those people's pay has risen faster than the pay going to the mid-level worker. And this is a choice of the board of directors of the corporation, and they get paid a lot too, and they get paid when the CEO decides uh, basically they – I mean the board basically pays itself. It's hard to know what is the source of this huge uh, increase. One theory is that the uh, unions – uh, by being weaker and having less bargaining power, representing a smaller share of the private workforce of the United States, have not been there to fight for the interests of workers as much. That's that's one thing that's going on. In the 1980s, the minimum wage fell a lot, and that meant that the government was putting less upward pressure on wages. When you said when you said activists haven't had much effect, they might not have had much effect on on Walmart. Walmart's announcement that it was going to raise its pay to its minimum wage workers in uh, in this March and next uh, April, but activists have influenced state legislatures. There you to go to require Walmart wage. to do the right thing. We got to go. Thank you so much, uh, Gary Bertless of the Brookings Institute. This is no ordinary sub shop. This is Firehouse Subs. Welcome to Firehouse. Tired of overpriced lunches that underdeliver on flavor? Head to Firehouse Subs, where for a limited time, you can get a $4.99 choice sub. Choose from a medium smoked turkey, Virginia honey ham, or roast beef. They're custom-made hot subs at a price ready-made to make you smile. Just $4.99, only at Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs, save more lives. Participating locations plus tax limited time offer prices may vary for delivery.